Hello, and welcome to the Chris Yeh Podcast. I am, as always, Chris Yeh. In today's episode, I'll be discussing blitzscaling deals from January 2021 with Scott Johnson of Blitzscaling Ventures. Enjoy. Hello, and welcome to the monthly Blitzscaling Deals Analysis. This is Chris Yeh, and I'm here with my fellow general partner of Blitzscaling Ventures, Scott Johnson. Say hi, Scott. Hello, and I always look forward to doing these monthly Blitzscaling analysis with you, Chris. Looking forward to it. All right, so we're going to be looking at Blitzscaling deals from the month of January 2021. What have you got on tap for us today? What should we start with? Well, we have four companies, so uh, that's a, a pretty good haul. There were uh, about 70 deals total that we looked at this month. Uh, and of those, four of them really stood out. And so those are the four we're going to discuss. There were some others that we, we thought might be good, but then when we actually sat down and scored them, they just didn't quite make the grade. So we, we narrowed it down to four. And they are some consumer facing, some B2B, and all of them really interesting. So we're going to kick off with one that we got really excited about called Loki. And it's a Series A led by Andreessen. They raised $7 million, so kind of a smaller Series A. And it's in the video game space. It's a social network. It's not Discord because it's really all about sharing video clips. But why, why don't you describe it? You, you, you seem to have a, a real affinity for this one. Absolutely. So I absolutely love this deal. And it's because it is focused on what is probably the most important form of media in our time, which is watching other people play video games. And I am very familiar with this because as you guys know, I was a live video pioneer. I helped get Ustream off the ground. And one of my big regrets is that the founders of Ustream didn't listen to me when I said, hey, this video game streaming seems to be an emerging use case. We should really focus on it. And of course, instead, Twitch focused on that and reached an incredible outcome, a billion dollars to Amazon. I bet if Twitch were spun off today, it would be worth probably close to $100 billion. So just an incredible, incredible area of interest. I have a teenage son, so I can tell you that watching video game gameplay endlessly is a big part of his life, as it is for most of his peers. So I just feel like this is one of the most important forms of media that exists today. Now, the thing about gameplay is that the vast majority of it, if you're watching, is not necessarily that super duper interesting. There's a lot of tedium. There's a lot of stuff that goes through it. But if you want to be a streamer, a let's player, as they say, you're capturing all this stuff. You're you're streaming it live. But what you're not doing is really getting the ESPN highlights package, the best moments. And that's what Lowkey does. Lowkey is software that you can install on your desktop or computer, and you can play video games, and it will record in a very high-definition, high-quality way, but it will also analyze and pick out what are the best gaming moments. And then, of course, this is packaged within an overall platform, which includes the ability to easily form teams, share with your friends, form groups, look at other people's videos. So it really becomes 
if you will, sort of an entire video game oriented social network and video network as well. So all of these things together are really exciting. We do think it is winner take most because A, you're getting people on board with this as the standard platform for recording these moments. B, there is this ability to form affinity networks. C, there is the overall video network. So all of these tend to make it winner take most. We didn't give it a perfect 10 because frankly, there's still so much traction out there already with Twitch and YouTube. It's difficult to say this is the only place people will go for video clips. And of course, low-key makes it relatively easy to export your low-key clips to Twitch and YouTube and other platforms like that as well. So, but 9 out of 10 is certainly very respectable. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, that's that's a rare score for that. So it's it's something that uh, they, that that really can lead to a blitzscaling score overall, but we got to go through the other factors. And when you think about virality, uh, it's sort of a no-brainer, right? Because once you're short, you store these video clips and you want to share them badly, and that's what you do, inviting your friends to come to the platform and be part of a group so they can share their clips with you. And it just lends itself naturally to explosive growth through that viral sharing. So we gave it a 10 out of 10 there. If I could give it an 11 out of 10, I would give it an 11 <laughs> out of 10 because think about it, you know, video game clips are being shared all the time and they can go viral and everything. But part of the issue is you have these YouTube videos, they're like an hour long gaming session or a 10 minute video or something like that all of these low key clips and you can go and search on Twitter for lowkey.gg and you'll see all of these clips that people are posting from their games. They're all sub one minute clips. They're perfect for that bite-sized consumption, super duper viral. Really, really excited about this one. Well, plus with YouTube, if you're just a casual gamer, then the, the YouTube video is going to be lumped in with the video of your dog and the, the one of your friend falling off a skateboard. So it's, it's, you know, if you want a place where just your video great moment highlights are, and those of your friends, then it, all in one place, so you can easily search them and, and consume them, then this is a, a natural thing. So uh, we can't give it an 11, but certainly we're excited about how quickly this could grow without much marketing. Uh, all right, so product market fit. Now, you know, like we're all excited about it, but we haven't used the product extensively ourselves. So hard to give it a perfect score right off the bat, but what do you think, it, what do you think on that one? Yeah, this is one where we don't have personal experience. We're being conservative, giving it an 8 out of 10. There certainly seems to be a lot of usage, all these clips being posted on, on Twitter, as I mentioned. But, you know, this is something where, as you know, our investment process is that we use blitz scalability as a filter. But once we've identified a company as promising, we reach out to the CEO, we have a conversation, we learn far more. And at that point, we may reassess the score and change the score. And in the case of this company, we may very well find the product market fit is higher than we see from the outside, in which case the score would only improve. Yeah, but spoiler alert, we get well above 80 on this on this company, as you can tell by the tone of our voice. We're really excited about it. So uh, they, they don't need more points, but they could certainly earn them. Market size, their business model is, well, we don't know for sure. We, we, one thing we know for sure is they have freemium. So there is a way to pay for higher service. And I don't know if that's more disk space or more video clips stored or how they, they define a higher service or, or more features. But uh, we, we'd have to look into that. But that's one way they make money. And do you think there's a advertising opportunity here as well? 
Oh, absolutely. If there's anything that advertisers love, it's advertising to gamers, men, primarily men, primarily with disposable income and impulse control problems. It's a perfect audience. <laughs> and this market size is absolutely 10 out of 10. Again, I believe that video watching people play video games is probably the dominant form of media out of our time. If you look at time spent and it is just getting bigger and bigger. And the same well, holds true for the gross like, margin, I would say. Maybe for a certain demo, but I'd say that uh, Bridgerton gave them a run for their money. I have yet to meet someone who hasn't seen that. Uh, you know, I haven't seen Bridgerton yet, but I don't but think I'm the in one. the target market. <laughs> you're the one who hasn't seen it. Okay. Uh, gross margin, you know, it's high. So 10 out of 10 there. Scalability. This is a, just a cloud service. So, of course, it's scalable on every dimension. So 10 out of 10 there. And that leads to a score of, drum roll, 89. So just shy of 90. Remember, our cutoff point is 80. So this is well up in the stratosphere for scoring. And it's a quasi-social network. So it's not surprising that it scores so high. All of our social network scores are at 90 or near 90 and, and above. So this is a high-scoring company. It's at a nice early stage. So we're definitely going to pursue this one and track it and, and potentially invest in it down the road. It's, Just uh, to give folks a sense of how excited we were during the middle of our scoring of this company, I said, we got to stop. I have to go look up the CEO and reach out to him right now. Yeah. So um, looking forward to, to learning more about that company. Next up on our docket is a company called Landing. And Landing you pay a little money up front and then you get access as a member to all of these apartments in all kinds of cities where you can rent by the month. And so if you want to live for a month in Miami, cause it's cold, then join landing and down you go. And, and they, they have beautiful apartments and their, their model is brilliant and they're the leader. And they did a round with Foundry. Yep, Foundry Group, 45 million that they raised. It's a B round. So they're pretty far along. They're in a bunch of cities. They're in not just Miami. They're in a bunch of cities in Texas and New York and Boston. They're all over the place. So they're, but they need to be everywhere, right? So when you think about blitz scaling a business like this, you need to just really aggressively be in every city because each city is, um, you know, somebody else could come in and take the, take the best properties or, or beat you to the market share lead. So that's uh, somewhere they need to really aggressively grow. So, but is it, is it a land grab? Is it winner take most in any way, Chris? How do you think about this? Absolutely. So you can think of landing as we work if it actually made sense. And it's tremendously powerful as a result of the model. So let's think about what they're doing here. So what they're doing here is they're working with property owners and property managers. So they don't go ahead and buy or lease the apartments themselves. That would be insane. That's what WeWork did. And it is also not like Airbnb, a bunch of individual people renting out their apartments. Right, because there it's difficult to ensure a certain level of consistency and quality. Airbnb is an amazing company whom we love to death, but the quality of an Airbnb can vary wildly. In some ways, that's its strength. If you want to go at a lower price point, you can find an Airbnb at a lower price point. You just have to adjust your expectations accordingly. But what landing is doing is really focusing on a specific market, what we used to call corporate housing, but now we sort of think of as the, the nomadic life. And as a result of it, 
there is a bit of a land grab in the sense of working with the different property developers and property managers and owners because you need to tie up those relationships in order to offer this inventory and i have personal experience with landing because just down the street from my house probably about a thousand feet away is one of the apartment buildings that's available through landing and i actually looked it up and said wow actually the price is quite reasonable and if i were the kind of nomad looking for a place to live that would actually be the perfect way to do it, it just makes everything so much simpler you pay this membership fee you can look up the city you can find these apartments you know they're going to be a certain level of quality they're very pet friendly as well so they're basically trying to remove all the friction I think it's great. I think that the land grab element comes from working with the property owners and property managers. And I also think that one of the ways that you really cement those property owners and managers is having the broadest network of the people who are the, the, the guests, if you will, the, the renters. And the reason why it's very powerful and that landing focuses on the so-called digital nomad as opposed to just positioning itself as a short-term rental place is because those people are looking to travel and so landing doesn't need to be everywhere it just needs to be in all the desirable places where people are likely going to want to spend time so all that considered we gave it a 10 out of 10 we just haven't seen anything quite like it we saw kasai a couple months earlier down in mexico we think that's also got a lot of these great characteristics yeah, but Kasai is for super short term, just like Airbnb, just a slightly higher end property for business travelers. This one, if you ever try to rent an Airbnb for a month, well, it runs into money. And this is actually extremely reasonable. Like it's the same price you might pay to sign a year long lease. You pay that same price for a single month and then you're out and you can go live in Miami uh, next month and then Paris the following month. I don't think they're in Paris yet, but you get the idea. If they can take over the whole world with a network of properties that are really nice and they have a whole bunch of people on the other side who want to rent those properties all over the world, then that's an incredibly powerful two-sided marketplace that also puts up a big barrier to entry. So really like this one. Um, now, viral growth and distribution. So we gave it a 10, right? So 10 on winner take most. And then we move on to the other really important key element, which is viral growth. You know, how, how do you get to your customers? How do you sign up the landlords? And how do you sign up to find the people who want to use the service? And, you know, is there an easy, simple way to do that? It's not viral the way no. Loki is, right? So they don't get as high a score. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I mean, I think they will have very strong word of mouth just because the service is so good and there are strong communities around these digital nomads, if you will. But where it falls short of a company like Airbnb, which gets a better score on viral growth or distribution, is the fact that there is no bleed over between the two sides in the marketplace and airbnb hosts are often guests and guests can become hosts and so as a result there's this natural virality that comes as a result of the interbleed or cross fertilization but in the case of landing you have people who are digital nomads they're not property owners or property managers it's two completely different groups and so we don't get that bleed through so we gave it a seven out of ten which is lower it's still high enough to get landing into the blitz scalable category, but this is definitely its weakest point. It is indeed, because all the other scores are higher as I look across. So product market fit, boy, I love the way this is, I'm priced. Remember, pricing is a huge component of product market fit, and it's priced to work 
and and really not scare people away it is uh you know the the low commitment aspect of it is exactly what this type of customer is looking for and uh, it seems like really high quality that they're and the, the experience on as you're searching for the apartment you're going to rent is quite good they have great photos and so i you know i just i, I think they uh they've really nailed that so we're giving them a 10 on that one market size well you know, I don't know, it feels kind of unbounded to me. What do you think? Absolutely. And part of that is if you look at the prices they charge, it is really much at the point where, you know, it would make a lot of sense for people just to use landing rather than traditionally renting an apartment, even if they're not a digital nomad. And that's because you're not putting down first month's last month's rent. I mean, we have this ridiculously antiquated system and these safeguards are in place because oh we're worried this person is going to trash the apartment they're not responsible or whatever landing gets around that by being a membership system having people pay up front for the membership a la costco it means that now the people who are on the other end of the transaction can trust that this will be okay there's another party who's overseeing good behavior and so it reduces the coordination costs and reduces the need to be conservative there and so really it makes it a better economic deal in most cases, unless you're really going to stay for a long time to go through landing rather than through traditional lease. So we think that there is a lot of upside here. Right. And, and you, you can't just go into an apartment and trash it because then you get kicked out of the network. And if you're someone who needs to live month to month in various places, you don't want that to happen. So you're going to treat the place like it's your own. So I, I think the way better than the year long lease model with first and last month's rent. And let's not forget everybody's favorite thing, the broker fee. Uh, okay, so we've got product market fit, market size, gross margin. Didn't give them a 10 here. We're thinking that you know there's a utilization aspect of this where we don't know, right? So we don't know if there's a, a, a perfect gross margin here where it's just a marketplace and therefore all the all the revenues profit like we don't know that but our suspicion is that there is some sort of utilization that unless it's 100 percent, you can't claim 100 percent gross margin there's going to this these places are going to sit empty sometimes and there's cost to that so that's uh we gave it an eight and after we learn more that that score could go up so we'll we'll wait and see on that one uh, organizational and operational scalability, Chris, you know, is it, a, is it a complicated business to run? Are there a lot of people that you need to hire? What do you think? Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of stuff that needs to be dealt with cleaning and maintenance and all that kind of stuff. And again, the property owners are dealing with a lot of that, but, or, but landing has to get involved and landing also has to be the interface point with the tenants, right? Because this is the thing you can't just hide that off to the property owners they have the relationship with landing so you need to have customer service you need to have a relatively high touch way to to help people out so we gave them an eight and a nine on org and ops scalability which are still really good and that leads to a total score of of 80 so they are blitz scaling candidate and there's upside from there as we learn more about the business so congratulations to Foundry Group. Uh, you know, Brad Feld is a good friend of mine and of Chris's, and I think they've really found a winner here. And so good job winning that deal, finding it and winning it. Uh, all right, next is a general catalyst deal. It's a series B and it's called Multiverse. So it's a science fiction deal. No, it's not. It's a, it's a, it's a way for companies, large companies, to have uh, internships, really, they call them apprenticeships, so that they can better get 
women and minorities into tech jobs. And, you know, that it's really hard to attract the best talent and still and <clears throat> keep your uh, tech diverse workforce diverse, right? The, these people are in very high demand and they're doing everything they can to promote diversity on the tech side and, and really throughout their companies. And so this is a great service that can help them do that by connecting them early on in the educational career of people who they want to hire. So that's the multiverse value prop. And so it's really a two-sided marketplace, right? Yes. Yeah, so it's a two-sided marketplace between the big employers and these non-traditional candidates. There's also a significant amount of lock-in and land grab that occurs because if you lock in these big employers, this is not just a simple job matching system, right? This is powering an entire apprenticeship system with skills development, with peer groups and social support, with all these different things. So it's not just easily plug and play. So once Multiverse gets Google, gets these big companies to come on board and provide these apprenticeships, they really lock them. And it's hard for someone else to come and say, we should do this as well, because there's just been so much invested into the relationship. And then, of course, the more big employers Multiverse locks up, the more it's just going to attract all those non-traditional folks who are looking for jobs, looking for ways to get onto that first rung of the corporate ladder. So we really love this a lot. Uh, we gave it a 10 out of 10. And again, it's just one of those things where once you become the default platform for doing this, boy, the sky's the limit. Yeah, it's really hard to knock you off that pedestal. So uh, viral growth and distribution, you know, I, th I think there's a great argument for distribution on the student side, right? You can go to the colleges that are, you know, the ones that you favor and get into the career centers, get uh, get access to resume books. There's there's really sort of a, a pretty well-worn path to figuring that problem out. So I think that might be pretty scalable. But on the other side, you know, how do you sign up all these enterprise customers? There's uh, always, enterprise sales is something that we always shy away from. Yeah, and again, you have a leg up because you can focus and coming through the side door on diversity initiatives and things like that. And companies are looking for the solution, but at the end of the day, there isn't some distribution channel that just carries you into everyone. This is still a three yards and a cloud of dust situation, which means that their viral growth and distribution comes in at a seven. They go wet. They do well on the supply side, but on the demand side, there's just a lot of work to be done. Yeah, one by one by one, and six months. 12 month sales cycles, just, uh, you know, now the good news is once you do land one, they're pretty big customers, right? They, there's a lot of opportunity financially for each customer. So it's worth it, but it's going to take, it's going to slow them down. All right. Uh, product market fit. Um, boy, you know, it feels good, right? We don't know for sure, but um, what do you think? Well, I think we look at it this way. We take the perspective of the supply side of the equation, the person who does not have a college degree who's looking to get one of these jobs. Well, what does Multiverse offer you? It's a service that's free. They don't charge you any money. They place you into an apprenticeship where you're getting paid while you're learning. My God, what an incredible thing. And their statistics show that the people who go through their program earn more, get permanent jobs, have all these phenomenal outcomes. And again, this is a program you pay $0 for. So the product market fit from the perspective of the supply side is perfect, right? How could you do much better than that unless they just gave you free money? But on the demand side, you know, hard to say, right? This is the thing that's a little uncertain. So we don't know for sure, 
But given the number of companies they've signed up and are regularly participating, it sure seems like it's pretty good. So this is one where we actually said, you know what? The circumstantial evidence says the product market fit is very good. It just makes sense because we know the demand is there on the employer side for improving diversity. We know that the demand is there on the supply side for finding better jobs and a better life. Okay, so that's a seven out of, no, no, sorry, sorry. Ten. Eight, it's a, no, product market fit is 10. Yes, sorry, 10. Okay, sorry, I was looking at the wrong line. It's a 10, and then market size, you know, it's normally when you think of the employment market, it's like, okay, this is a huge market, you know, like it's enormous, but this is sort of a US market. I guess it could be extended to Europe to some degree, but primarily US, and then it's apprentice, the apprentice market. So it's not the employment market as a whole. And in the US, there are about 4 million people per cohort every year, right? So there are 4 million people aged 18 or 19 or 20. And, um, you know, that just doesn't feel unbounded to me. It feels like that's a constrained market just to some degree. I mean, it's still huge, right? But it's, it's not as big as some. Yeah, big market, not unbounded. We gave it a nine out of 10. Again, maybe things will change. Maybe they'll evolve in the future. Yep. Um, you know, they could expand geographically and they could they could certainly go um, into grad schools and then, uh, you know, out of the education market and, and expand into the entire employment base. So there's, you know, there's opportunity to really, really grow that. But for now, it's a nine. Gross margin, it's a marketplace. We always give those a 10 unless there's a lot of cost involved in managing it. This one doesn't feel that way. So um, gross margin's good. But again, on scalability, well, you got a lot of people who you know need need to have a good experience and might have trouble with um, with their employer, or there's there's just a lot of customer service. I think on both sides that has to be taken into account. Yeah, and this is not this is not something that's impossible to overcome. You can certainly do this, but the fact is, you cannot say we're going to give you a high touch experience and a supportive environment, and say, and we're going to staff it minimally. So we gave them an org scalability of eight. The kinds of people they're looking for are relatively available. Uh, it's not like oh my god, it's impossible to find people who are good at counseling young folks. That's pretty common. And then operational scalability, same thing. We got to oversee a lot of people. We got to maintain relationships with these employers. It's not undoable, uh, but it's not a perfect 10 out of 10, simple, no touching of people, just pure bits. So it's nine. So that brings us to a total score of? Of 80. So two 80s in a row. So just on the cusp of blitz scalability, but certainly something where it's a good idea to be the first mover at scale and take this market and then you can keep all the the wannabes at bay uh okay so that's three companies low-key landing multiverse all really interesting and the last one spoiler alert didn't quite make a score of 80 but we wanted to include it because it's interesting to talk about why a and b there are some things that we might learn that would push them up into the blitz scaling category so uh, it's it's a company called Fashionza. I, I think that's how you pronounce it. It's F-A-S-H-I-N-Z-A. And it's fashionza.com if you want to go. God check bless it out. you. <laughs> the, uh, it's a seed round and Excel did it. It's in India. And we keep seeing Excel deals in India. So somebody from Excel is over there and they're busy. 
because that, that a lot of them are really good too. So somebody's not, they're not just busy. They're doing a good job over there. Um, so Excel did it. It's 2.6 million. I think I said, uh, they, here's what, so what they do is they, I don't know if you recall Zetwork that we talked about a few months ago where they help manufacturers access manufacturing partners in India and build stuff. Well, this is the same sort of thing, but with clothing instead of with random manufacturing parts made of metal or, or electronics. So this one is pure clothing focused, which is an enormous market, but, um, you know, and it, it feels like a winner take most situation. So talk about that, Chris. Yeah. So when we think about marketplaces, we are always looking for transactions which are high consideration, high value, highly differentiated. And when it comes to something like manufacturing clothing, that fits into all those categories, right? This is something where the, the quality is absolutely going to matter, where there could be a, a lot of differentiation in terms of the ability to do this, and where the transaction size is pretty large. And under those circumstances, a marketplace is going to be rewarded for having greater selection, for having the most liquidity, for having the, the most different people to choose from. And that's the kind of situation that Fashionza finds itself in. So given that two-sided marketplace dynamic and what we're talking about, we went ahead and gave it a 10 out of 10. This is a great marketplace dynamic. Right. So you definitely want to build both sides of that marketplace up really fast. And can you do it, though, is the question. And, well, I think you can find the manufacturers and sign them up pretty quickly. So I'm not so worried about the supply side. But on the demand side, what are we doing again? We're selling to companies and companies take a while to make decisions and they have existing relationships that you're asking them to change. And so, you know, that drags it down. So you know, what do you think about uh, the distribution side? Yeah, it's the same sort of challenges. We saw similar challenges at landing and similar challenges at multiverse. Again, we don't have that wonderful Airbnb bleed through where the hosts are guests and the guests are hosts. You just have to go out there and find those people who need to manufacture clothing and, and get them on board as customers. So it's three yards in a cloud of dust. And even though, again, we think there's going to be really great success in, in locking up the supply side, the struggles on the demand side mean that we're only giving it a seven out of 10. Yeah, but that's not a zero. So why do they get a seven? Well, the reason they get a seven is if you think about it, it is a highly networked industry. It's not go. like, yeah. oh, I have no idea who makes clothing. I mean, you just go to the store and you know who makes clothing. So you know who your targets are. You just have to actually get to them. Right. And they're not that many of them. And they do talk. They're industry shows and, you know, there's magazines and industry rags and all kinds of things. So there's PR. PR can help you here. And it's it's just not that hard to find these these clothing manufacturing companies. And and if you don't find them, eventually they'll find you because they really do talk amongst themselves. So certainly far from a zero. All right. right. Product and by the fit. way, this could oh. change. Right. This is based on just us looking at it from the outside. And if, for example, we went a little further and we learned that the uh, that fresh, uh, Fashionza had been chosen by the Indian Apparel Manufacturers Association as their official vendor for contract manufacturing, or if we discovered, for example, that there was one vendor that served every single clothing manufacturer and they were going to take on Fashionza as a, a, as a partner and they were going to go to market together and that gave them an existing channel they could really leverage, that might result in the score being higher. It's just, you know, that's what it requires. We need that specific kind of win. 
Right. So, um, you know, not not a 10, but there's upside. Uh, product market fit, will it's early, right? It's a seed round. They do have customers, but it's still, it's just a seed round. So could, could they really have already nailed the product market fit? I guess it's possible. We haven't used the product again. So kind of a, kind of a speculative score here. Yeah, place a placeholder eight, which yeah. is what we put down when there's a, evidence that this company is doing really well, but we don't have personal experience with the product. That's one of those areas where, again, we will potentially change that after we talk with the management. Yeah, well, and we'll talk with the customers. I mean, that's really where the proof is. Uh, market size, well, we, as you mentioned, when I was introing the company, this is clothing and that's a big market. So we're not gonna say that that's anything but a 10. Gross margin, we're, uh, again, once again, we are a uh, two-sided marketplace. So the take is what we consider the revenue, not the marketplace volume. We've said that over and over, but always worth reiterating. And so the take here, whatever it is, is is 100% gross margin. There might still be some some costs underneath there. So does, do they get a 10, Chris? Yeah, so this is one of those ones where they explicitly position themselves as a managed marketplace, which means there are people helping guide folks through the transaction. It's not like when you go and you hit Uber, get me a driver, there's no human intervention. There's human intervention along the way that costs money. And that's why we ding them a bit on both gross margin and org scalability. Gross margin because this is part of the service delivery and org scalability because you have to build up these people. Again, these people are not necessarily that hard to find. I mean, this is an industry that's pretty big and there's a lot of people and they could be trained to do this. So we're not saying that that's going to be a barrier to growth, just that it's more trouble than if you didn't have to hire them. So we gave them a nine for gross margin and eight for org scalability. Yeah. Yeah. And so overall, that's a 77, which is just short of 80, but still in the upper echelon of deals that we score. You know, most of them are down around 50 or below. So an excellent score because they have a lot of good things going on, but it's a seed deal. There's a lot more we could learn about it. And so we're not writing this one off by any means. We're going to, we're going to continue to, to track them and try to learn more about it and, and see if they, if in fact we think that they should be a blitz scaler and therefore an investment candidate for us. Yeah. And, and if along the way, you know, we're able to talk with the the management, we talk with the customers, we decide that maybe viral growth or distribution should be eight instead of seven, all of a sudden it pops up to that 80 threshold and becomes blitz scalable. So certainly, as you put it, Scott, this is a moment in time and it may very well change in the future. Right. And that's the four that we were going to talk about this month. Uh, it's, it's notable that uh, a deal that we've talked about in the past had another round very suddenly, uh, Clubhouse um, suddenly had another round and we've talked about them before, so we're not gonna talk about them again. But um, that's, uh, you know, that's certainly a, a very hypey deal in the Valley, so I didn't wanna just let that one go untalked about completely. Um, anything else to say for the month, Chris? No, just that again, I think that the lesson that we continue to learn from this is when we went through, did our initial screening of just which companies we we're going to look at in depth and score, 
we ended up with more than just the three companies that ended up scoring above 80. We actually had a number of other ones that some of which we loved a lot. Like there's a, a, a deal called Club Feast where from a product market fit standpoint, we just adore this idea. The idea of being able to pre-order from your favorite local restaurants and get a meal for $5.99. I mean, I was looking at some of these Japanese food, uh, sushi plus katsu or teriyaki or what have you deals. I was like, oh my God, I can get that for $5.99. You know my cheap heart. I love that to death but it's one where we just couldn't find that winner take most dynamic to really make it a blitz scaling deal so it again it reminds us that a you know there are so many amazing companies out there that are not blitz scalable that will still probably go on to be successful and that it just takes discipline for us to go through our process to score things and to let the chips fall where they may and again sometimes we're disappointed there's companies that we would love to invest in we think they're great they don't meet our criteria. And sadly, that means we just can't do it. We got to be disciplined. Yeah, but the power of blitzscaling is what our fund is all about. So, you know, if all you have to do is take a look at the market cap of Airbnb right now to see that, you know, when you when you actually have a powerful network effect that's established and entrenched, then you're just going to be able to print money for decades. And it's a it's a, uh, it, it's just a, something where the multiples are going to be enormous. And so that's where we got to stay focused. The week that they both came out, I went and on public record, put out a tweet saying that a great way to make money would be to go long Airbnb and go short DoorDash. And there are companies that are going out at roughly the same market cap or so. And I just said, listen, Airbnb has all these dynamics to make blitzscaling the right idea. DoorDash is ultimately in a pretty crappy business. And since then, Airbnb stock price has risen 30 or 40 percent and DoorDash's stock price has fallen 20 or 30 percent. So, you know, it didn't even take a year for this to play out. It took literally two or three months. Yeah, we keep talking about doing one of these things for uh, the IPOs of the quarter. And I, 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 I hope we find time to do that because that would be a lot of fun. Absolutely. Well, Scott, thanks again for coming in to do this. As you know, we both enjoy ourselves. I think the listeners can hear that. And the good news or bad news, depending on how you look at it, is we will be back again relatively soon. These were just the January deals. And in fact, we're now into March while we're recording this, which means we got to get to work on those February deals. Well, we've got most of them picked out, so we're we're nearly there. And so, yeah, very soon we'll be releasing that podcast. And there's some really choice ones on there, too. So looking forward to it. You heard it here first. All right. On behalf of Scott Johnson and Blitzscaling Ventures, I'm Chris Yeh, and thank you for listening.